Welcome. I'm Connor Beaton, and this is the Man Talk Show, training for men and answers for women. Now, on today's show, we have another anonymous guest. And so just a reminder on these anonymous clients or anonymous guests, um, I interview a person who has applied to work with me that I have never connected with before, I've never worked with before. And the, the intention of these episodes is to walk people through meeting their own dysfunction, walk people through meeting their own resistance or their reactivity, basically taking people through shadow work uh, and being able to help them unpack where they're sabotaging in their life, where they are blocking themselves from love, where they're blocking themselves from their purpose, where they are holding themselves back from creating what they ultimately want in life and to guide them on the path of being able to claim their own self-leadership, their own power, uh, and their own compass, their own internal direction. So on today's show, I have a guest uh, who has been struggling with a few things. One, um, he's married uh, in a relationship, and he's been in a relationship for six years, married for three. Um, they have started to talk about kids, and he has some resistance or concerns around having kids. So we, we talk about that. We also talk a little bit about um, his relationship with his wife and some of the challenges that come up in conflict between the two of them. And we look at uh, this individual's relationship to his mom and we start to unpack and heal through some of the trauma, some of the, the wounding and pain that he acquired in childhood that is showing up in his relationship today. So um, this includes a little bit of family of origin work. It includes some shadow work, some gestalt, a little bit of positive psychology, um, some cognitive behavioral therapy uh, mixed in there. It's really an amalgamation of a bunch of different therapeutic modalities. So as you listen today, just notice for yourself uh, where where your story feels familiar to this client. And um, just notice in terms of what's blocking him uh, from some of the some of the ways in which he'd like to connect with his partner in his marriage, some of the ways in which he'd like to create clarity and continue to create direction in his life. Just notice what about that feels familiar for you and uh, notice about the direction that I guide him in. Uh, try and, if you can, answer some of these questions along with him and see how you might answer some of these questions. And there might be something fruitful for you in there. Uh, so just before I bring the guest in, a quick reminder, um, Vienna, my wife and I do have a wonderful uh, program that's out right now that we've put over a thousand people through called Get the Love You Want. Um, I think it should really be called Relationship Foundations uh, because it is, we teach the foundations of really healthy, solid relationships, everything from communication to sex and intimacy. So uh, if you're wanting to dive into that, it's open right now. Uh, you can use discount 50 to save save a little bit of money. Um, and you can find that program on my website, connorbeaton.com. Uh, or you can just check the, the links in my uh, Instagram profile at Mantox. Uh, and just a quick reminder, one last quick reminder for all the guys that are out there, the Alliance is open. It's free right now. So if you're wanting a great community of men, to be a part of. We've got a monthly book club uh, where we create content for you to go through the book. Uh, next month, we're diving into No More Mr. Nice Guy and uh, working on bringing Dr. Glover onto having a private interview with all the men that are in the Alliance. So if you are interested in that, go to connorbeaton.com and sign up for the Alliance today. It's going to be uh, a great few months uh, with within the group. You also get put into a team. So you have your own team of men to connect with on a regular basis. Uh, we have monthly challenges. We have weekly calls uh, for all the men. And then you have biweekly calls with your own group, which is member-led. So uh, definitely head on over and check that out. And ladies, if you know a guy that could uh, benefit from that, then definitely send that his way. All right. So without any further delay with the housekeeping notes uh, taken care of, I would like to welcome my anonymous guest for this week. All right, my anonymous guest. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. Doing well. Good, good. How's quarantine treating you? As good as I feel like anyone it, uh, treating me as good as anyone's being treated right now, I'd say for sure. It's rough. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair. I mean, it's a it's a challenging time for a lot of people. So, well, I, I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you diving into this with me. And um, you know, I, let's let's frame this session from a place of getting a bad experience off of you, getting a bad experience or or um, something that's been keeping you stuck. You know, out or move through that. Um, I like to frame these sessions as from a place of just being able to move through something. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Okay. So um, let's just, let's just start off with how you're doing today right now in this moment. So right now I feel a little nervous, um, a little, a little antsy, if you will, but I'm excited, very excited. Uh, Great opportunity. So yeah, I'm, I feel good. I feel good overall. Good. Yeah. So I usually feel anxious when? When I am doing something new. Mm. And in my life, anxiety has played the role of? I would say a controller or a decision maker. Keeps me comfortable. Uh, Anxiety is what keeps me in my space. Not. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. um, I would say that. Once you feel anxiety, you know, your nervous system gets set off. And then at that point, it's a race to relax that. It's a race to level that nervous system. So for me personally, there has been a slew of vices to get through that. When I was younger, you know, it was escapism or trying to stay by myself and comfortable or even more so keeping myself around people, but by myself in my own head. So kind of distracting. Mm. Um, So, yeah. I would say it, it always ends up there trying to level my nervous system as soon as you feel that spike of anxiety, as soon as I feel it. And who knows what that could be each day, honestly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. So tell me, give us a little bit of context in terms of like why, uh, why you're here, why you're on right now and what you were potentially looking to dig into. Well, why I'm on here is because I originally found, um, I believe I found you through the holistic psychologist through my wife. Um, Mm. and it just led me in, I was looking for men's groups and stuff like that. Um, and I happened upon your, uh, the, uh, 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 why can't I think of the name of the group that you have? The the Alliance, the Alliance. And I signed up for the Alliance and joined all that. And started getting into it. But as soon as I did, I started to feel overwhelmed, that anxiety, afraid to push, that fear of pushing. So once I found it, you know, that's how I found it. But then it kind of instantly, it becomes that overwhelming feeling of, oh, no, that's, that's, that's new. That's uncomfortable. So we'll stay here where we're comfortable. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, but that's how I found you. (laughs) Long story short. Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's okay. Tell, tell me a little bit about why new is uncomfortable for you based on your life. What's the origin story to that? Well, my parents got divorced when I was nine. So, and I was the oldest of three. And uh, I think that the feeling of my parents always being together for like up until that point, And then as soon as they left, things really got, it just became a whirlwind. There was my mom was gone and then back and then gone. And I think that inconsistency really early on in my childhood really set me up to grasp to those comfortable moments, those things where things feel normal. And uh, I mean, that's just a drop in the bucket, I would say. But that's where it really began. I would bet it's just my mom leaving that feeling of normalcy going away. And then it's like a fight to get that the whole time. A fight for that normalcy to feel that family unit again. Yeah, good. Okay. Where else did you feel a sense of unease or uncertainty in your, in childhood specifically? So you, you have you have a, a family system that gets sort of broken apart when you're nine. That creates unrest. Not too sure how things are going to unfold there. What what else? What else in in growing up was uncertain and and maybe lacked peace? Um, finances. We weren't ever. Um, I would never consider us in poverty, but we were never well off. And the thing that really bothered me the most was that our family appeared to be well off from the outside looking in, but my parents were really, really bad at managing money. 
So that created a lot of financial stress also around money, just asking for money, needing money. And so that developed a very, a big brother type feeling for me. Cause like I said, I was the oldest of three. So once it hit me being 16, it was almost like <clears throat> I was playing the mother role in my dad's home and playing the father role in my mom's home, you know, bridging that gap of, Oh, we don't have lunch money today. Well, I've got you. Don't worry. You know, I need a ride here or I've got to get here or whatever it may be. Just a lot of instant uh, responsibility at a young age. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were doing a lot of caretaking of your siblings. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what did, what did caretaking, did you have to caretake parents at all? Or was it mostly? Sometimes, sometimes Uh, never my dad, but sometimes my mom, she would have, she has, uh, she's diagnosed bipolar. So she uh, has been on prescription medication my entire life and that I can remember. And she's had very many episodes where I've had to call my dad or my grandma. Hey, will you come over? Hey, will you come? She's locked in the bathroom having a panic attack. I'm 12 years old and I don't know what to do about this. This is my parents have been divorced for three years. This is the first time we're staying at my mom's house since who knows. And she has a panic attack, locks herself in the bathroom and, you know, is acting like she's going to cut herself with a razor. So what do you do in that situation as a 12 year old, you know? And yeah, so definitely caretaking my parents, caretaking my siblings, playing all the roles, wearing all the hats. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Can you, can you connect or are you usually able to connect to the emotion that, that that 12 year old experienced in that, in those moments of chaos and the moments of like having to caretake siblings and having to deal with credit increase, sort of incredibly responsible moments with, with parents like that? Yes, I can. I just try not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I try to sit with that feeling. I try to sit with it, but it's very overwhelming. Every time I sit with it, I end up sitting in it and it's just, uh... yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I do try. I have tried. Have you, uh, and just, just out of curiosity, have you done any therapy or worked with a psychologist or a coach before on, on some of these things? Yes. Um, I used to have, I used to go to a therapist whenever I was 17, 18, but we never really touched much on my childhood a ton purely because at the time I was going to therapy because I was, I had been in a really bad car accident and I was hit by a drunk driver when I was 18 the summer before I went to college and long story short, they, the driver ended up passing away in the accident and that really messed with me. So I went to therapy for that, had a therapist for a while, but we never really touched on childhood or anything. It was all mostly focused on dealing with that traumatic event. So yeah. interesting caveat there. So yeah. 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 And, and were you able to sort of process through some of that? Yes, Do you very feel- much, very much. I have, I, that is something that I've really been able to cope with. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 So, t- so tell me a little bit about your your current day life and situation. You're married. Yes. Okay. And and uh, how long have you been married? Uh, three years in June, together nice. for six. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Wonderful. Do you have any kids? No, we have two dogs. Okay. <laughs> All right. We good. talk about All kids right. a lot, but we're trying to be responsible and wait till it's the best time. I st- yeah. I'm still I'm still selfish, still taking advantage of being being able to be, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the what's it like to think about being responsible and having to caretake for someone else all the time, nonstop? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you think about having kids, what does your anxiety say about that? Mainly because I know who I am and where I come from in my childhood. I naturally am a caretaker. So I'm mm-hmm. very aware of the fact that the moment I have children, it's everything out the window. They will be, they'll become my number one. And that's not me having to, that's not me saying it. That's me knowing it. You know what I mean? I know who yeah. I know that I will give up everything for them and I will do it reluctantly. So I need to make sure that one, I take care, I become the best version of myself so that I don't have any resentment towards my kids, but also so I can be the best version of myself because I, I want to live, I, I want to live 
my best life with them. I don't want to have to be anything. I just want to be my best self for them. And I'm waiting for that, honestly, to put it simple. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of guys experience that, you know, I think a lot of guys are, are wanting to make sure they can provide, they can protect properly. And, uh, and, you know, they're, they're hoping, I think this is, you know, one of the common things that I see with a lot of men in commitment, right? Whether it's committing to a relationship, committing to kids, committing to a job or a career path. A lot of times it's like this apprehension of, I need to be in a very specific place, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially. So I can, I can cross that threshold and move into a place of being able to commit deeply and fully. Does that resonate? Kind of, but it's more about the fact that I know that whenever I have kids, that that's what I'm, I'm aware of the fact that I'm very willing to give up everything, but I'm not willing to give up everything yet. If that makes sense. I'm apprehensive Mm -hmm. to let go of the things that I, I, yeah, that does resonate with me, but in a a different way, I guess I'm just rewording it. Okay. Tell me, tell me about what, what you feel like you're going to be giving up when you do have kids. Putting myself first, putting me over just the small things, the little things like, I don't want to cook dinner tonight. I would rather just order food. Well, you can't really do that with a kid because one, they need to eat the best diet they can and eating at home is probably your best bet. Two, you want to save money as a family. You're probably on a plan, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not so easy to just go outside of the norm. And I do enjoy that spontaneity and there's not a lot associated with having kids. So I think that's what holds me back a lot. And I I guess, honestly, it would also just feeling like I'm not ready or not good enough to be a parent yet and wanting to be at a place where I feel more confident in myself. Yep. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Tell me about that, uh, that piece, just go a little bit deeper into, um, wanting to feel a little bit more confident in yourself in order to be a parent. What do you, what do you feel like is missing or, or lacking or what are you still working on trying to integrate? Um, stability in my emotions, um, coping mechanisms with emotional triggers, um, dealing with ego stories and the things that I tell myself and just, you know, creating that I'm still working on creating that safe space with, with my wife where we can, um, basically be our best selves freely to explore and then return to each other without judgment. And I have a hard time right now with that without judgment part. There's a lot of times where I'm very judgmental of her actions or I'm very overly critical of her actions and condemning. And I'm really trying to get away from that. I have a really bad time being condemning and being really harsh with my tone and the way that I go about expressing the things that I feel right. Something may justifiably upset me, but just my tone alone completely ruins the expression of that because Mm. now I have triggered her ego and upset her. And honest to God, that's something that I'm not willing to risk with my kids. I want to be consistent. I want them to know that no matter what, they have a safe place to come to me and express that. And right now, I'm not even really able to give that to my wife. She comes to me about something and she's half scared to death to express her opinions because she thinks I'm going to get mad or I'm going to get upset about it. And I do. And I don't want to, but I don't know why I feel that way. It, it feels very justified in the moment. My ego feels triggered. And I'm like, wait, 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 this is injustice. I can't stand for this. And I think that plays in my Enneagram. I'm, I'm a six wing eight and eights are the challengers. They can't stand for injustice. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I justify myself thinking, oh, your ego's triggered. You can say whatever you want to, but it doesn't work that way. And I always end up hurting her. And if I hurt my kids, then I really will be down on myself. And so I just want to be that consistent figure where there's safety, where they're not scared to tell me they messed up, where they're not scared to tell me, oh, I got a speeding ticket on the way home from school, dad. Instead of being scared to death to come to me with that, they'll just be like, here, dad, like, oh, man, they're like, oh, it's okay. You're going to pay for this, but Uh it's okay. uh (laughs) We all make mistakes. It sounds like it sounds like a lot of pressure. Yes. It sounds like a lot of pressure to reach a a sort of place where you have attained. Yeah. Enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, almost like a level of perfection in, in your ability to respond. Tell me, let, do, you, do you want to dig into this one a little bit? Are you, are you cool if we explore this? Yeah, that's fine. That is fine. All right, cool. I'm sure my wife so will just, love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to get a message from her after being like, thank you so much for exploring this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good. So I will, uh, I'll just ask you a few questions and questions will be first person for you. All I got to do is respond. All right. Easy enough. Easy, easy. So, so right now I feel. A little less nervous, more good. comfortable. Yeah, I find my I find myself judging people when they make mistakes. Mm, I find myself condemning my wife when she has an opinion that is different than mine. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that feels upsetting or threatening because I love her and I don't want to hurt her. Uh huh. And, and I, I value right. her opinions mm-hmm. regardless. And I need I need to be right because I don't know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's keep exploring that. So just take a deep breath in. Now. Good. One more deep breath. And now. Good. Yeah. So as a kid, I would judge. My parents. Mm-hmm. And I felt judged by. My parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like they would judge my actions or opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom's anger sometimes was hidden, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. When would it come out? When she would have uh, emotional uh, attacks, um, uh, panic attacks. Yeah. Okay. And then her anger was. I mean, chaotic. It was very out of the blue, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. And being around that felt? Uncomfortable, but also uh, inconsistent. It felt very uh, wishy-washy. Um, I don't really know what the, I have a word, but I can't think of it. It's okay. Inconsistent. It's inconsistent would be. Yeah. All right. So being around that inconsistency for me as a kid felt scary. Yeah. Okay. And my dad's anger as a kid was very outright and aggressive. Okay. And he was judgmental of my failures, actions, anything, decisions, pretty much anything, any and everything. All right. His criticism was sometimes crass. Okay. And he'd say things like, yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. This is what I would do. Or, no, nah, that's wrong. Hmm. Or, you shouldn't feel that way. Okay. And when he was angry, he would? Shut down, not talk to you, give you the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. Can you say that all in first person? He would? He would. Shut down and talk to me. He would shut down and not talk to me. And mm-hmm. he would uh, ignore me and just walk away i mean i remember one time specifically i was holding our dog just petting our dog after we had gotten in an argument and i was upset and he walked past me and grabbed the dog out of my arms and said you don't deserve to pet him right now and walked away and didn't talk to me for like the rest of the day Mm -hmm. so all right that was not that 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 is a very good example of the silent treatment yeah okay all right and so just take one more deep breath no. Good. And I'm just going to walk you through a little bit more of an exercise. So if you can just close your eyes and get comfortable. And I just want you to tune into whatever emotions are there right now as we talk about this, you know, as we start to talk about some of your, your past and your childhood and open up a little bit of the box in there and, you know, talk about mom's behavior and dad's and just, just connect to, what you're feeling right now, maybe in your chest or in your belly and keep breathing into it. So, yeah. So the emotions that I feel right now are a tightness in my chest and butterflies in my stomach, that nervous feeling. Yeah. Okay. And that tightness in my chest is uncomfortable, but 
pretty I'm, I'm used to it yeah and if that if that tightness was an emotion it would be probably sadness um hurt i mean it would be disappointment probably mm. disappointment in my parents for that you know yeah okay all right so take a deep breath into it and now So just bring yourself back into your childhood home. Just keep your eyes closed if you can. And just try and visualize some of the spots, right? That that moment where you're standing there with the dog. See yourself there. That moment when you're standing outside the bathroom door. Trying to help mom. Hearing her panic. Not too sure what to do. So thinking about that feels overwhelming. Okay. Yeah. So just try and stay with it as best as you can. Just notice that little boy. So as a 12 year old, I was pretty mature, honestly. Yeah. I had to be mature because I was assuming the role of a parent. Yeah. All right. Breathe in. No. And just connect to that boy within you, connect to that 12-year-old, trying to figure out how to support mom and dad through the divorce, through their chaos, with their anger, trying to maintain and take care of the kids, you know, your younger brother and sister. Good. So if that, if that little boy had a voice right now, he would say. Hmm, wake up to my parents, probably. Yeah. Okay. Breathe into that. Yeah. Good. So just give him a voice. Yeah, stay with it if you can. Is it uncomfortable right now? A little bit, but not not anything that we haven't journeyed into a little bit before. <laughs> good. Good, good. Okay. So try and stay with it. And just give that give that boy a voice. Give that boy a voice. So what that part of me wants to say right now is that my parents or that you, if I'm talking directly to my parents, you were blinded by your pride and your ego and your need to be right. And you neglected your kids and their needs. And now they've developed traumas later on in their lives that you can't even really recognize because you don't recognize your own trauma. So mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I, I feel bad for them, but I'm resentful towards them. So it's, very much like I want to want to forgive them, but I don't really want to forgive them at the moment because I'm still mad. Uh-huh. Yeah, good. So so stay with that. Stay with that anger. So where I feel the anger in my body right now is in my chest, my mm-hmm. stomach. Yeah. So let, let yourself make fists wherever your hands are. <laughs> I already make, had them. <laughs> yeah, good. Good. So make some fists and just breathe into that energy. Sometimes my anger is hard to release. Mm-hmm. It gets stuck in me when when I think about my parents. Whenever I don't really lean into that, I just ignore it. Hmm. All right. So let's give your anger a voice. So if my anger had a voice and could speak to my parents right now, it would say, "You're an idiot." You need to open your eyes a little bit and not a little bit, a lot, honestly. They uh, could really do with some uh, conscious work and some insight into why, I don't know, just own up to your actions. You know, you might have done your best, but that doesn't mean that you didn't still make mistakes that could use, you know, some, some mending yeah, let's stay stay there and let's connect with mom. So what my anger wants to say to you, mom, is... Oh, gosh, I don't even know. It would be, you know, that you're, you're wrong. You know, you're not right. You have hardly ever been right, yet you always think you're right. And it's very contradicting and hypocritical. And they just need... You just need to listen. Just listen. 
and understand. Mm-hmm. Good. Breathe in. Stay with the anger. Stay there. Don't move away from it. Yeah. So what I want you to know that you're wrong about is the way that you parented us. Mm-hmm. The impact on me was that I have a lot of built up resentment and anger that you think's not there, that you think is all just love, that you think we just powered right through all of the issues and made it through. And then now here we are, everyone's just happy. Like it was a war that we just made it through. But the thing is with war, you have trauma, you have PTSD and everything else. And she doesn't, you mom don't want to recognize that. You don't want to recognize what you've done or how you've hurt us. So Mm -hmm. it's like a standoff, a standstill. How do you talk to someone who won't admit that they were wrong? Yeah. So stay with that. Why, why can't you see that you yeah, why can't you see that you uh, did abuse us, that you did like take advantage of us being there for you more than we should have and making me your your faux husband, your false partner, just so that you could, I don't even know, cope, cope with your issues instead of dealing with them. Just dumped off your trauma onto me, really. Hmm. I felt used by you when you would. When you would tell me all of your problems, tell me all of your issues, complain to me about my dad, complain to me about your relationships and your boyfriends and everything else and all the other problems in your life that had nothing to do with me being your son. Yeah. Yeah. Having to hold that as a kid was. Ridiculous. Unacceptable. Yeah. If my anger could speak to you right now, I'd probably say that was wrong and you're not as good of a mom as you thought you were. (sighs) Yeah. And if it wasn't being so nice, it would say that you were a bad parent. Yeah. Again, say it again. You were a bad parent. Mm -hmm. And I'm fucking mad at you for, for treating me that way, making me be the mature one. Yeah. Try and say the whole thing. I'm mad at you for being a bad parent, mom, because you made me be the adult instead of being the adult yourself. Mm -hmm. Why can't you own your? Your mistakes, your abuse, your trauma. Mm. And if the boy in me could speak to you, he would say. That I love you, but it still hurts and that it was still wrong. (laughs) I love you. And what I needed from you was. A parent. Yeah. Yeah. What I needed most from you was support, love, understanding. Yeah. I wanted you to talk to me about my feelings, what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But instead you always talked about what you wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Deep breath. No. Yeah. So having to caretake you as a kid felt overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was tasked with your well-being, your trauma, your needs, yeah, your, sta- your, your safety, safety. Exactly. Yeah. Trying to protect you as a kid felt <sighs> like I wasn't good enough. Okay. Because it's not my job to do. Yeah. I wasn't I good enough. Like- I wasn't supposed to be doing that job. Yeah. Yeah. Say more about that. I felt like I was failing you because you were still upset and everything was still falling apart. And yeah, there there were still issues constantly. Yeah. I tried to protect you from hurt, pain, everything, the world, just any issue that associated with my parent, with my dad and divorce and custody and who was where? When I felt like I couldn't save you, I would keep trying. Uh-huh. When I felt like I was failing you, I just keep, I would just keep trying. I just wouldn't stop. Just kept trying. And my anger would build up, but. I mean, it would build up and then come out in random moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the story I was telling myself about you when I was a kid was... That you weren't a very good mom, that you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, that you 
were you didn't care about us that you were more concerned about what you had going on and everything else that your life that you were living mm. and how that story so shows up with my wife today is I've, my anger comes out randomly and i'm overly critical of all of my wife's actions now because of my need to look at all of your actions and yeah yeah okay stay stay with that so if my wife was in the room right now what i'd want to say to her is i'm sorry i'm sorry for not being the best version not not supporting you not giving you a safe place to be yeah sometimes i judge you when you're you just yourself mm. mm-hmm. sometimes the boy in me feels unsafe because yeah, it's different than what I'm used to. It's, mm. it's not what I would do. So that makes me. Yeah. And when I feel like I have to caretake you, I feel. Like my child self all over again, trying to grasp at what little control I do have. Okay. So one more deep breath. And now. So stay with that, stay with that boy. So if that, if the 12-year-old within me could speak to my wife right now, he would probably say, It's not your fault. It's not you. It has nothing to do with you. You're, you, are, you are everything to me. You're the best. Yeah. And, you know, it's not. It has nothing to do with you whatsoever. Hmm. Okay. One more breath. Good. So answering these questions feels... Good, but scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what I know now that I didn't know before is I have more control over my actions than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the similarity between how I treat my wife and what happened with my mom is really freaking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to open your eyes and let's just talk about this for a sec? Yeah. Okay. Let's stop there for a sec. That's no, okay. It's good. This is it's good. A, it's a weird experience. How does it feel in your body? Um, good. I mean, I feel a release in a weird way. Very yeah. calm feeling. Good. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, well, I just want to touch on a few things here. We're gonna. I'm gonna bring you back into a different exercise here in a minute, but I wanted to just just connect some of these pieces so that you can. Um, take these with you, right? It sounds like the the judgment and the criticism of your wife is is quite similar to the judgment and the criticism that you felt with your mom. You know, and it would be it'd be interesting for you to just look at how when your wife is needing you, you know, when your wife is is truly needing you, or she has a reaction to something that you don't that you don't think she should have. It sounds like that's when it comes up the most. And that sounds very similar to what happened with mom, right? It's like, why are you reacting like this? How come you're responding like this? I need you to X, Y, and Z, right? So the boy in you all of a sudden takes over the driver's seat, right? Is that is that landing with you? You just made the, the mind <laughs> blown. You. Yeah, you just made the mind blown uh, symbol there. So I've never so made that just... correlation in my life before. Okay. All right. Do you want to just speak to it a little bit and and what feels true about it? Yeah. I mean, a few points that are just interesting to me that listen, people listening might be intrigued by is I've had a big issue with my past before. And as a kid, I specifically remember going to my mom's house when my parents first got divorced and seeing, and this is going to sound weird, but it's true. I'm being honest here. I saw like lube, like sexual lube on my mom's side table. And I'm like 10 years old, right? I mm. was pissed. I was pissed. I was like, mom, you're having sex with people. What the fuck? And I was pissed. I was mad. I'm sorry if I can't say. Um, No, you can say whatever you want on the show. Oh, cool. Um, So she, I was pissed. That has come up in my life so much. When I met my wife, she had a, and I apologize, honey, for airing out your past, but we both had a, a more extensive sexual past than either of us had had with our partners before. I had horrible jealousy with that. And I had no idea why. Now I know. 
Mm-hmm. Now I understand where that co- correlation developed. I, I developed a jealousy of my mom and that has correlated later on in my life. And I've had such a huge issue dealing with my wife's past, her sexual past. Because of that issue right there, I get so jealous. Even though she'll tell me our connection is so much more than I've ever had before. You are extremely fulfilling for me. It's all there, but yet for some reason it doesn't click for me. And now I realize that. And that was one of the first correlations I made when you mentioned, well, maybe your judgment of your mom is why you have a judgment of your wife. And that is 100%. That makes so much sense. I was so judgmental of my mom's past, her her life, that it has caused me to be judgmental of my wife's past Mm. and her past. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think just if I can... um connect a few pieces there so you're, you're talking about judging mom's past and mom's behavior um her actions how you know her the way that she would speak or the way that she would you know act or or not act and you know the the difference is that when you're a kid your your nervous system is attuned to you know, what's happening in your environment at home Right. So it sounds like a lot of you, a lot of the different parts of you were looking for safety, right? They're looking for safety and security in, in the home environment because that's that's what our brains and our nervous systems do. We want to find safety and security in our home. And it sounds like you never really felt like you had that safety and security provided for you. And it I I get the sense just from working, with, you know, we've only been talking here for 40 minutes. Um, but if you were, whether you were sitting in, across from me in, digitally in a screen or sitting across from me in, in a, in a, in a room, I would say, it sounds like you haven't let go of the anger or you haven't processed and, and honored the anger that's really there, um, from that boy who had to protect and provide for himself as a kid, as a child, that's not your responsibility, right? Like that's not, that's not on you. And I know that you know that. And that has become the that has become the red big red button that says release my anger, right? Every single time I would imagine that you feel like you have to step in and caretake someone when it's when they could just be responsible for it. I would bet that that part of you gets triggered, right? Gets reactive because it's like there's my wound, there's my wound, right? It's just hitting it over and over again. So having to having to sort of protect and provide for mom in that way in judging her actions and behaviors wanting her to be you know closer and be able to connect with you like what just one question what do you feel you really missed getting from mom like what what did you actually crave from her that she just didn't seem capable of providing for you i would have to say it would be that that feeling of like just having a like everything's going to be okay because mm. you're the kid and they're the parent and everything's just okay because they're there yeah my mom was always a friend and it always felt like we were in it together and she always brought me up to her level instead of protecting me from what was going on mm. so she used you as a support she used me as a support and as a voice and I mean, put me in custody battles in the middle of court, pulled me out of school. I mean, I remember going to school and having anxiety all day because I knew that my mom was going to come to school, call in the office and I was going to hear over the intercom, Seth, will you come to the office for dismissal, please? And when I got there, it would be me going to court with my mom to stand up in front of my dad and say, oh, yeah, I want to live with my mom. So mm-hmm. it was never, there was, it never felt like things were going to be okay because they weren't unless I made them okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think one of the pieces that I'm just going to drop in here is, can I just be super direct with you? Of course. Just, just in the effort of, of time here. Yes. Yes. So I, I would say that you, you have a, more dysfunctional relationship with your anger than I think you have labeled. So I, I get, I get the sense that you're, you're, there's a, a, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger and resentment towards mom and I, and a, 
and we haven't gone to dad yet, but I would assume <laughs> there's still a gun out there for him. Honestly, right? it's not not quite the same, but I would consider it the same because, yeah. Yeah, so it's, but it's, it is different, but I can hear just in the conversation with mom, like there's a good amount there. And if that isn't dealt with and released and processed and honored, right? Like as soon as I started to get you into the anger there, you, it seems like that is a little uncomfortable for you. So tell me a little bit about what your relationship is to your own anger. I'm very aware of how irrational it is. So I try to stay far away from it as possible. Okay. Because everything right. that I do when I'm angry feels justified in the moment, but I always end up apologizing for it after the fact. That That is the two facts. It feels okay in the moment, and I always apologize for it after. So it's just something that I'm not like, because I don't want to feel justifiably mad, and then I don't want to feel like shit afterwards. So I choose to just avoid it as much as possible. Okay. And whose anger does that feel familiar to? My dad. Who, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What in the world? <laughs> That's, uh, I've never made that connection before that. Oh my goodness. It's okay. Yeah. So what's coming up? Just the fact that I mirror my dad's way of coping with my mom with everything now. Mm -hmm. Part of this, you know, um, have you read Iron John before the book? No, I've read Iron Giant. Okay, no, well, it's, a, it's also a good, also a good, also a good Disney movie. I don't know if it's a book. Um, I was just throwing it out. <laughs> so, so um, there's a part, there's a few parts in the book that I think would be relevant for you. So I think reading through Iron John as a as a bit of an assignment would be good. But there's a few parts in there, right? Like at, at some point, we have to be able to move through uh, and and release our connection to like the mother archetype. Right. And in the book, Iron John, uh, the, there's a there's a boy. He's got a golden ball, loses the ball to what's called the wild man. I'm unpacking a lot of it right now, but I'm going to just get to one piece that's very important. So so the, this boy has this golden ball that he's playing with outside. And the, the golden ball is a representation of innocence in some way. And he loses the ball in this cage. And there's this wild man that holds onto the ball. And the wild man says, you cannot have this ball back until you get me the key to unlock this cage and let me free. And the boy says, well, I can't, I can't let you out. I can't go get the key because the key, my mom has the key and I can't take it from her. And basically the wild man says, I don't, I don't really care who has the key or what you have to do, but you have to go get it. And so the boy ends up finding the key underneath his mother's pillow and he steals the key. And he goes out and he lets the wild man out of the cage, gets his ball back and, and makes friends with the wild man. And it sort of signifies his moving on into manhood, right? This releasing of his um, sort of codependent bond with the mother archetype, right? Because there's, there's, there is a natural codependent bond that's almost there all the time between a, a boy and his mother, that some at some point maybe codependence is not the right word but a, a, that that you know nature and nurture connection that all young men have with their mothers and or desire with their mothers right you can hear in in your story this like deep yearning for something that you never got just as you're, you're yearning for this beautiful nurturing that you wanted from her right this having her take care of you and give you the things that you had to do for her and so in the book, when the boy steals the kilo, uh, p uh, key from underneath her pillow, it's this representation of him breaking free from that bond, right? Breaking free from that need for her permission, breaking free from that need for her validation, breaking free from her nurturing of him and claiming this relationship with the wild man, um, which he befriends and that takes him into adulthood that takes him into manhood. And so for you, I would say there's this, there's this boy inside of you that is still really longing to have this relationship with mom, really yearning to, to have her look after you and, and take care of you. And, um, I, I think that that is a part and, you know, we're not, we're not going to unpack everything here in this, in this one session. Maybe we'll have you back on to talk about dad. Uh, Cause this, this session has been a lot about, about mom, but that relationship is what needs to be prioritized. And 
I'm curious for you, what would your dynamic look like with her if you had forgiven her? If you had, if you had completely said, you know what, I, I love you, I forgive you, and I'm going to communicate from you, interact with you from a place of, I have, I have let you go of, from my judgment. I have let you free from my judgment. Because right now, who's the one holding on? Me. Okay. So what might the relationship with her look like? If we were to move past it or able to let it go? Yep. It would look, I, I, I couldn't tell you. That's something I've never seen in my entire life. Okay. It would look like, like a fantasy. I don't really know. <laughs> what would it require from you? Um, probably a conversation with my mom, letting her know that I, because she knows that I hold resentment towards her. Mm-hmm. She knows that. So to have a conversation with her where we were able to work through all that or not even work through it, but just maybe be able to get it out in the open and tell her how I'm feeling and then see, yep. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. Okay. Well, let's, let's just do one more exercise and then we'll have to wrap up here. Um, so I'll get you to close your eyes for a sec. Take a deep breath in all the way out. Good. One more breath. Now, and I just want you to visualize the little boy that you were standing in front of you. So he's there in the room. You can feel his presence. You can see him looking youthful and happy and maybe carefree or stressed out, however he seems to be feeling. Just observe him. Notice what it's like to reconnect with that younger version of you. Put your dominant hand over your heart. Yeah, and just breathe into there. Good. And see that young, see that younger boy as a friend of yours. And I just want you to communicate with him for a second. So if the man in me had a voice, what he would say to my younger self is, Don't worry about it. It's not your responsibility. What I mean by that is, It's not your job to parent your siblings or to parent your parents. It's your job to be you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you did the best you could to. Be there for everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been hard for you to show love or, I mean, be there for myself at all, show love to myself, nurture myself. Yeah, I'm sorry that you had to. Neglect yourself. Yeah, and I'm sorry that you had to. Put everybody else first and go through that to be that. Being responsible for your parents must have been really hard and traumatic. Mm -hmm. Not getting to have a childhood must have been rough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So give that boy a voice. What he, what, what he would say back to me is, I don't even know. Just, Help, help me not feel like this anymore. Yeah. Can you say that one again? Yeah. Help me not feel like this anymore. Help me be, help me not care about their problems. Help me not care about what they're doing. Help me just be a kid. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. What I missed doing as a kid, what I really wanted to do as a kid was. Be a kid. Have, Have fun. Play games. Enjoy sports. I mean, do all the things that I was doing, just actually be present for them. Yeah. Yeah. So the thought of having to have children now feels. Oh gosh. Like I'm going to fuck it up. Hmm. Because my parents fucked it up. Yeah. And I'm scared that I will pass on my trauma. Hmm. Okay. Deep breath. Yeah. 
Also, the thought of having to take care of a kid feels scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because how I've been neglecting my own inner child is. Probably how I will ne neglect my own kid if I don't fix it. Hmm. So how I've been neglecting, just speak to the boy again, how I've been neglecting you is. How I will neglect my kids. Hmm. And we get specific, how I've been neglecting you is. Ignoring the pain, ignoring needs, ignoring pretty much exactly what my dad did to me. He just kept the, kept the truck rolling no matter what, you know. Yeah. Making sure everything keeps going no matter what, not actually listening, not actually acknowledging the problems of issues or solving them, but just making sure that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everything just keeps going smoothly. Yeah. So I just want you to visualize that boy, a 12 year old boy standing in front of you and just kneel down in front of him and look him, just look him straight in the eye and say, I'm sorry for. I'm sorry for neglecting you. Ignoring I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry for not seeing your. I'm sorry for not seeing your needs. Yeah. The pain you endured was unnecessary, unfair, not not needed, not needed. Yeah, it's been tough for me to see your sadness because of my own, I guess. Of yeah. The world around of, of everybody else's too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm committed to prioritizing you because if I don't fix my own childhood wounds, how can I ever help my own child deal with their traumas hmm. and needs? Deep breath. Yeah. yeah, just a couple more to him. So you are so strong as a kid because you are still here. Hmm. Yeah, deep breath. Yeah, one of my favorite parts about you is your... Your... Your ability, your resilience. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right, so if a little boy could speak back to me right now, he'd say, thank you for... Fighting for me still. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for acknowledging me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks for seeing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about this part of myself because I didn't think that that it was important. I felt like everything else was more important, everybody else, everything else, all these other elements. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so still trying to take care of everybody. Deep breath. Now, yeah, so if I could say one last thing to that little boy, it would be. I see you, I hear you, and I'm going to put the work in. Yeah, good. Yeah. good. Just tell him I got you. I got you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right, one more breath in. Now, yeah, you can open your eyes and come back in. So this is, you know, you may have heard this before, but this is what we call parenting ourselves, right? When we have uh, that child within us, because it doesn't go anywhere, right? That That little boy or little girl or whatever, it doesn't go anywhere. It stays, it stays within us and, and it, you know, it remembers and, and is, and carries forward those, that pain, you know, it carries forward the pain of having to take care of other people and the pain of not feeling nurtured or, or taken care of it carries forward the, the judgment of other people's actions, right? Because, because he was harmed, right? He was harmed. He was neglected. He was forgotten about, you know, and he was treated like a, a surrogate partner, and had to deal with things that, that a 12-year-old shouldn't have to deal with, right? Shouldn't have to deal with those things. But he did, and he managed it. And so, you know, when these moments come up with your wife, and I know we talked about a lot, right? We, we touched on a lot. I can hear, I can hear the resistance for, for children, you know, outside of the, 
I want to be in a good place. I want to be able to take care of them. I can, you know, I, I can understand all those things rationally. And what I hear emotionally is that the little boy in you feels threatened by having kids, right? It's like, how am I supposed to, how am I, right? I can hear the little boy in you being like, how am I supposed to take care of those things? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Who's taking care of me? Exactly. Who's taking care of me, right? And so that's, that's priority, my friend, right? Listen, so I, I, want you to, I want you to find a photo of you as a child, one of your favorite photos. And I want you to carry it with you. I want you to look at it every day for the next 30 days and start to reconnect to that younger self and start to build a connection because in the moments where judgment comes up and your anger flares up, that's, that's the boy trying to protect himself, right? That's the boy trying to do his best to, to maintain order, right? To maintain structure. And he hijacks the show, right? And then he, and then he acts in a way that is out of alignment, out of integrity for you. And all of a sudden the man has to step back in after the chaos <laughs> has ensued and apologize for what the boy's done, right? It's like, oh shit, I'm so sorry for what my 12 year old just did. He just created a racket. <laughs> like, he, he, he just created a little bit of a shit show in here. I'm so sorry. Right. Yeah. And then the man steps back in. Right. And, and, and he's, and he sort of rectifies the situation. And so start to build that connection between the two, right? Start to build the connection between the man and you and the boy. And, you know, there's, there's more in there to unpack, but I think that's, that's what I'll leave you with is take a read of Iron John. There's some really good pieces in there as, as a little bit of homework. Um, we're actually going through it in the Alliance right now. So if you have a chance, pop, pop in there. I will. Um, and that, that can be a good resource. And then um, start to reconnect to this, this, this child. And I would encourage you maybe to write a letter. Um, I think this is the last piece I'm going to give you. Write a letter from that 12-year-old boy to mom and saying everything that he didn't get a chance to say, all the ways that he was disappointed, all the ways that he felt let down, all the ways that he felt like she enmeshed him, you know, mm -hmm. and, and used him as a surrogate partner to process. Get it all out. That's not what you're going to give her. That's not the conversation <laughs> that you're going to have. <laughs> but that is just write the letter allow the adult in you to read the letter once it's written and and start the healing process of letting it go right start the healing process of letting it go but you have to let that child within you get some of his anger out get some of his frustration out um, and be able to voice it and be able to say this is what sucked you know this is what i missed this is what i craved you know and and all of these things uh and i didn't get you know i didn't get them and, and really honor them. And, and yeah, so if you want, you can, you can follow up with me with that. I'm happy to support you on that. Um, and then last but not least, I would encourage you to do some, some men's work specifically around the anger. I think there's, there's a good amount in you. And I think that you have a very upbeat, positive demeanor to you. And I feel like you, you might disconnect from your anger a little bit too much. And that's why it comes, comes blasting out in moments when you don't expect it. Right. So we want to, we want to connect to our anger and befriend it. And I think this is probably conversation number two that we'll have in a month or so about, about dad and his anger, but, but um, just start to connect with it. Okay. Okay. I will do that. Awesome, my friend. Any final words? Um, it, maybe, maybe we'll just end this up with uh, what are you taking with you from this session? What, what did you really learn here today? <clears throat> I would say that I learned mainly the biggest thing that's sticking out for me is the correlation in the way that my anger shows up in my day-to-day -day life and my relationship with my wife and how that directly is related to the way that my mom treated me when I was a kid and the way that my dad showed me how he coped with that is how I developed a coping mechanism as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would judge my mom on her actions and that comes out in, in my relationship. And then my dad would use silence or, you know, not acknowledging the issue as a way to cope for him. So I also do that when things get tough, I just disconnect and then I'm gone. And so yeah. it's, it's that, that, that judgment of actions and that disconnect 
there's a big correlation in my, in the way that I was treated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. good. All right, my friend, great work today. Such a pleasure to meet you and, and dive in. Thank you so much for being open and real. Um, for the people that are tuning into this episode, thank you so much for being a part of this. Don't forget to share this episode with a few people that you think uh, would enjoy it, would benefit listening to it, um, you know, might help to heal them in some way, shape or form and help them on their journey and in their awareness. Um, so until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Mm-hmm.